Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Howdy, folks. Happy Wednesday. Uh, it is sunny in Buffalo. Miracle of all miracles. It's over 32 degrees, uh, which is always the time where you think it's warm and it's nice, and then all of a sudden you get a massive cold because... Uh, you're not used to the temperature. You, know, you think it's sunny and warm outside and you expose yourself and you get the cold. I don't know. We got 55 here and sunny. <laughs> and is it balmy? In, uh, is it balmy? In it's better than balmy. It's actually like spring has hit. It's currently four degrees Celsius. That's nice for you. You know what? It's very nice. It's a little late. It's a little behind schedule, but we're getting up to six seven eight soon it's going to be like we're going to be wow. double digit and then and then the flooding is going to hit see right. somebody somebody missed us when we didn't do a show yesterday they said yeah. they, they said we have to know whether it's balmy in winnipeg or maybe they've gotten used to that all right all right uh russ so major league baseball started their japan series and it has put like anybody who owns a fantasy baseball team in in basically a state of emergency because the game is already over. So if you didn't do it, whatever you line up, you left for last year, that's what's running for this year. And you got to hope you've got either an athletic or a Seattle Mariner on your team. But Mike and I are joined forces this year. We actually have, we were splitting a team on the USA today league. And that is the oldest league in the United States, the oldest fantasy baseball league. So I, I saw that we got an email games were over. Some MFers got like 26 points and we have zero. Yeah, but I don't think we have anything. I don't think we only, I don't think we have anything other than pitchers. Yeah. On, on uh, like we have a couple Seattle pitchers, but I don't think we have any uh Seattle hitters or any Oakland hitters. So I'm not exactly worried although you know it's you know, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to lose my lose my mind if we end up last. I, we were and right now we're last in the most prestigious oldest fantasy league so that's 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 cool that's true that's that's a better last than anybody else's league but in my other league i did have uh trevino in and i saw he struck out the side so i got excited i got 2.95 points like that's it i'm firing the commissioner i i really hate fantasy sports now that we've gotten into the you know a point for 10 yards yeah, a, a, a you know point, points for whip in baseball. Yeah. I mean, I run a I run a playoff fantasy hockey league, and it's points, and that's it. There's no you know plus minus. No, we don't even have goal. We don't even play with goaltenders. We play, wow. Well, you'd have to invent a point system for goaltenders. It'd be See, like that's the problem. You grew up playing street hockey with no goaltenders because you used either the garbage can. Wait, I, I was the goaltender. Well. Same difference, and, <laughs> and now you've carried that over into your fantasy league. Are you saying I was a sieve, Russ? No, I, I'm sure you were good, Mike. I, 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 I can't believe that. Okay, um, now just just one thing, and then we'll we'll get started. Um, you know, the best laid plans uh, of any franchise, would doesn't matter what sport, can always be undermined by injury. Mm -hmm. And I, I mentioned this to, to Russ yesterday. 
you know, the New York Yankees spent a ton of money on free agents. They they signed a bunch of pitchers. Everybody said, oh, they had the best bullpen in baseball. Um, and, of course, uh, they lose two of their starting pitchers to injury and now lose Dylan Batances uh, to, a, to shoulder inflammation. And, you know, Russ, once, you know, once that happens, they're, I mean, they're basically like everybody else. I mean, the Met fan in me is not all that upset, but I feel. I, you know, it's like you want the baseball season to start out on the right note, and <laughs> hurt like that, it does put a damper on it. I still think the Yankees are a really good team, but you know what? The one place they're susceptible is their pitching staff, so that is going to hurt for a little while. Yeah. All right, let's get started, guys. Uh, hello, Hockey World. Today is Wednesday, March 20th. 2019. I'm Peter Tessie up in a sunny and balmy Winnipeg. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology, and this is what time it is. It's New York Mets time. Okay, so does that mean it's losing time? And this is my – I'm Michael Agello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. All right, let's start with um, some territory that we normally start with when it comes to me, and that's the Maple Leafs. Uh, they are here in Buffalo uh, this uh, – this evening to play the Sabres last game of the four games they normally play uh, against each other um, in each season. Their record in Buffalo, as I've said many a time during many shows, is horrendous in Buffalo. Like all time, uh, 30 games under 500, some ridiculous thing like that. And, and it doesn't matter how bad or how good the Leafs are or how bad or how good the Sabres are when the when the Leafs come to Buffalo, they normally lose. Their record has been a little better under Mike Babcock, but not significantly better. And coming off a second – this is the second of back-to-back games, um, coming off a loss last night in Nashville. Um, you know, this is I – mean, right now – Losing four or five, Russ, it's getting to the point of people are starting to worry about free fall. So the Leafs have to, I think, nip it in the bud either tonight or uh, later in the week in their next game. But there's starting to be a little concern in Leaf land. Yeah, I mean, right now, I mean, Leaf fans are basically on a uh, maiden voyage of the Titanic. I mean, that's really seems like that's where they're headed. The, uh, the, the iceberg's not far away. I mean, I don't know what to say. I This team looked so good at the start of the year. And, again, we know they got the, the jump start from Tavares and everything else. And then they they – they, I guess they settled into the season. They started having those power play problems that you would talk about, which seemed weird considering the players they had. We knew the defense wasn't great. We knew they were giving up too many shots. Then Gardner goes out. Now it just seems like – if there were two more weeks in the season and they didn't build up all these points, they might not even be a playoff team. Like that's well, how poorly they're playing right now. Well, I, Peter, I, I said yesterday because with them losing and Boston beating the Islanders 5 nothing, the Leafs are now six points in back of the Bruins with nine games to go. Uh, to me, that's like you're not going to catch them for home ice. So what I suggested on social media, on Twitter, was that Babcock should, uh, over the nine games, yeah. rotate Garrett Sparks and Freddie Anderson, play Anderson every other game, but give them a little rest because yeah. the only hope that they have in the postseason is to have a rested Anderson stand on his head against the Bruins. They're going to need him to be rested and, and, and yeah. at the top of his game. And somebody said to me, well, they're only eight points ahead of Montreal. And I'm like, 
if they're if they can't hold on to an eight point lead on Montreal, they don't deserve to be in the playoffs. So they need to rest their their number one goaltender who has been overworked for most of the year. Look, if Montreal comes in and and scoops up uh <laughs> scoops up eight spot, is it actually the worst thing that could possibly happen? Well, like, Montre- Montreal is right now they're out of the playoffs, so it's like yeah. we're talking- we're talking about there. We're talking about third place in the Atlantic, um, yeah, as opposed to either being one of the wild cards, which may not be better, or may not be better or worse depending on who you play, yeah. or being out of the playoffs altogether. So I don't think that's going to yeah. happen, but it's not mathematically I, I, impossible. Yeah, it's not mathematically. I mean, you know, would going like being the number one wild card and playing Washington be preferable over playing? Um, playing Boston it might be now how you don't sit here with 10 games left or nine games left right for the least nine 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 and try and finesse your way to doing that no one's suggesting that it's more of a theoretical question but at this point and I saw your tweet and I was like oh boy this grab onto your comments um holy h straps Mike because this one's going to be a rodeo and the logic people have to take out take out sort of their feelings of well we can catch them and we can do this what advantage does it give the leafs to throw everything to chase six points and get home and home ice advantage over the bruins Zero. what does that give them it, it gives them nothing that's yeah. what you that's all you're chasing that that's the best you can achieve in the time especially if you exhaust yourself to do it and then either don't do it or even if you do it and then yeah. in game one you're so spent that the Bruins yeah. just come in and it's not out of the realm of possibility that no. the Bruins won, won it's one better it's better for Babcock to get everyone loose relaxed Freddie Anderson rested and say guess what actual pressure is all on Boston now there's no pressure on us it's all on Boston and to flip the tables to make Boston feel pressure, like, and start saying things like, you know, well, imagine if, imagine if Boston has home ice advantage and they lose to us, imagine how they're going to feel and start that. That's what needs to be turned. And, you know, and, 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 and the Canadian national Leafs media will turn that, you know, if they're smart, they'll start spinning that narrative too. But, but that's what really, that's what he's got to sort of instill in his players saying, it's everything for Boston to lose and nothing for you to lose. And that's just the situation they're in. And, and yeah. I, I wouldn't paint it any other way. Give Anderson his rest. If there's a guy who's a little nicked and dinged up, give him a night off. Yep. Like, you know, all those things. If you think there's a team that's coming in, it's going to be gunning for Austin Matthews in his shoulder. Give him a night off. Make it, you know, and, and do those things and stuff. But don't, don't, but don't do it to the jeopardy of losing your spot, but do it to be strategic about who's getting right. their time. Well, to, to quote the, uh, the great prophet, uh, Lieutenant Commander Montgomery Scott from Star Trek, oh. uh, fool me, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. Um, Mike Babcock makes a comment about the depth of the team on Tuesday. Some people think it was a, a shot at Kyle Dubas. Some people think it was a, a motivational tool towards the players, the depth players who are not playing well. Babcock does it again after the game yesterday, and I quote, Nashville is a good team. They're a deep team, and they're deep enough that they don't have to overplay their players, and I thought they played solid tonight, but I thought we did as well. 
again, a shot at, you know, we had to overplay our players. And if you look at the, look at the, uh, the time on ice yesterday, he played, uh, Babcock played Muzzin, Hainsey and Riley, 22, 23, 24 minutes, played the other half of his defense, 16, 13, and 13. So he trusts only three of them, maybe Zaitsev in a pinch, but doesn't trust the guys, especially uh, Justin Hall, uh, who he didn't want on the roster and hasn't played until he had no choice. And Igor Ozoganov, who he plays like a backup goaltender, who he rotates in and out in back-to-back games. Babcock has been basically, I mean, he's laying the groundwork in my mind here that in terms of the blame game, if and when they lose in the first round to spread the blame. That's not just me. It's the, I wasn't given the guys that I needed to win. Yeah. There's no question that's going on, but he has to change it now. Like Peter said, and play those other defensemen more and do all that. And if you lose three more, like in a row, what's the difference? You were going to lose them with the other guys anyhow, but at least then the other guys will be rested. They can come back, and you right. can have a strong finish to the season. But they really do need to to work that way, or otherwise, I mean, they could get steamrolled in the playoffs. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Even Freddie Anderson has been mortal the last you know mm-hmm. couple of weeks, so wow. they're they're in a bad spot. And if Anderson is not playing well, and they're not scoring six goals a game, they're not going to win anything. And honestly. I don't think Mike Babcock should be playing these games so tight. I honestly think they should be trying to outscore the opponent and go with the strength of your team, the offense. And Peter, that's I mentioned this to Russ this morning um, about the Leafs and the way that they play. I mean, they played a very conservative defensive style against Nashville, and it was one nothing until middle of the third period. They didn't take advantage of their power play opportunities. They, uh, you know, they really didn't generate a ton of five-on-five chances, but they play a game more conducive to what Babcock is looking for, but they didn't generate any offense. And in the end, you know, Wayne Simmons scores a goal in the third period and they get an empty netter. Yeah, okay, you, it was a better effort. It was a, it, They paid more attention to detail, but they still lost. And I don't think they can play a wide-open game in the playoffs and win but I don't think they can play that game because they don't have the personnel to play so, that shutdown game. To your point, and I, I, I'm glad you brought this up. To your point, Mike, if Mike Babcock thinks he can take the 2018-19 Toronto Maple Leafs and play them based on their personnel like he did the 2014 Canada Sochi Olympic team, right. he's got another thing coming. Right. It's not there. That's not or, the same Campbell. There's there's one NHL team you could maybe do that with, and they're the Tampa Bay Lightning. That's right. it. It, it, it. That 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 like you know that it's the golf expression. That shot's not in his bag. That yeah. club doesn't exist, and and he shouldn't try doing it. And frankly, if 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 you're going to if you're going to get the team into understanding that grind of patient hockey, not opening it up, not taking risks offensively, then yes, there's some lessons to be learned there to, to employ that tactic in stretches in the playoffs. But if you're going to win, you're going to have to play to your strengths and not hope you can, you can shore up your weaknesses. And the only way, the only way that you can play that game 
and win in the playoffs is if your power play is operating at say 50%. Yeah. Because you know, you shut down the other team and then you score on the man advantage and you rely on your goaltending. Yeah. That's, that's all fine and good. But you know, if, if your power play is not being consistent and they went over three yesterday, then you really can't rely on a, on a team strap playing a strap down defensive style and, and hoping to win. So, I, you know, I mean, we'll get off the Leafs here because, but I'm, I'm sure if they lose tonight and Garrett Sparks is in goal and he's been, he's one and six in his last seven games. And somebody asked uh, Babcock a question about Sparks' comments about being emotional and, you know, asked him if there was any pressure, pressure on him. And he basically said, uh, yeah, I would think so. And yeah, he, bet, I expect him to play well, which I think under, under, under the, in between the, in between the lines, he's saying if he doesn't play well, you know, I mean, yeah. we always have Michael yeah. Hutchinson. You yeah. Know, but the, but you know. the, the, the point being is, here we go again. If part of your strategy is hoping, it's not a strategy. Right. <laughs> there well, you go. Hockey, half of it is based on hope with these coaches. Well, no, I understand that. But you, you always have hope, Russ. Yeah. But you don't need to talk about it as part of your strategy. Okay. That that goes without saying, right? But if if your strategy is is well, we have to hope that we get great goaltending from Freddie Anderson and that our defense can maintain a level of play that reduces grade A scoring shots from what we've seen this season. Okay. That's fine. That's the, you want to hope that all the time. But if that's part of Otherwise, our offense has to do this, this, and this. So we hope this happens. So our offense, because that you've incorporated into your strategy, and that shouldn't be happening. That that that's just not the way to operate. All right, let's look at let's let's look at the race in the East first. We'll look at the playoff races right now. Based on what you say, what's that? I know. I'm saying in the East. You say, say yes. Um, Based on last night's results, um, I know that you know, Eck is not here today, but I will say it in his in his stead. The Flyers are done. It's over with. Silencio. It's done. It's over. Stop. Please. I will say this. I, I felt like in the locker room last night without the players saying it, they knew it was over. They, A lot of them were sort of hanging around with the scrum going on still taking off their equipment a lot slower than they normally do. So I think the uh, the realization had set in. I want to say a few things about this game. The first one is Max Domi played an amazing last three minutes of that game. Yeah. And he not only was playing great defensively, but at the end of the game when he scored the, the empty net goal, he was the fastest guy on the ice. He went from one side of the ice, his end to the other end, got it and put it in the net and nobody from Philadelphia was quick enough to get them. That was pretty much what was going on that entire game. The Flyers team speed was lacking. Carey Price was playing great, right? But he didn't have to do anything extraordinary. He just, all he had to do was be a really good system goalie. And that's what he did that night. And he actually gave the Flyers a goal in the way by coughing up a rebound, but otherwise he was near flawless. The, the other amazing thing was Shea Weber's goal. Everybody should look it up because it defied logic. It, it defied physics. He It was one of these goals where he's trying to keep it in the offensive zone. You're wondering if it's going to be offsides. He keeps it in, but you, when we looked at it on replay, he's actually gliding backward. So he's gliding backward. 
He keeps it in. He ends up hitting the ice first and then hitting the puck and still with the flex on his stick and the massive strength that he's got, still scored a rocket of a goal. And I'm telling you, like, if you put this on Mythbusters, they would be like, there's no way this should happen. But this is the craziness of Shea Weber. And that's why you have to always keep a guy like Shea Weber because that shot's incredible. The strength on him, again, go look at his trick shot that he did in Nashville, I think it was. From like one end of the rink to the other, he was like in the upper deck. No human could shoot a puck like that. But yesterday, it's just amazing. He was gliding backward and still got this puck forward and ended up getting the game-winning goal as a result. So that was a near-perfect road game for the Canadians. They play a few more like that. They could knock Columbus out. Well, Peter, just just on, yeah. on Max, Max Domi, and then you can uh, any comments you have on the game, you know, feel free um a lot of teams got to be kicking themselves because domi had a bad year last year in arizona he it was well known widely known that they were looking to trade him um some some people perceived the canadians trading galchenyuk in that deal as the canadians salary dumping galchenyuk because he was making i think five four a little under five million dollars and you know the domi might be successful there, but nobody imagined him having the type of year yeah. that he's had this year. And this was, you know, potentially a missed opportunity for a number of teams that could have gotten him for pennies on the dollar. Yep. And just look at how he's playing right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I don't think, I don't think people discounted Max Domi too much when he was in Arizona. I think the hard part is when you have players in Arizona, you just don't see them a lot. They uh -huh. even in the Canadian news, you just don't get a ton of the attention here, even in Hockey Mad Canada. Uh -huh. And it's hard to really get to see them a lot unless you go and seek out looking at their game. And then you sort of compound some of the other things going on with Arizona. And you know, sometimes you know, sometimes it's hard to really know what a team's doing. And, and that deal wasn't necessarily viewed as a positive one in Montreal at the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in, in some ways, I think we can go back and look at this and say, it's not a bad hockey trade. Like, no, no. You, you know, like it, it kind of worked out both ways. And, yeah. and, and, and while I prefer Domi to Galchenyuk, it doesn't mean Arizona didn't find right. something that helped them and, and they're having some success. And that, that's a good thing. It's, it's nice to see, but, but, yeah, Galchenyuk, Galchenyuk definitely needed a change of scenery. He needed to get out of yeah. The, the, and there were other issues. Yeah, there's just something that wasn't fitting with Galch with Galli in, in Montreal, and 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 as we know, it's a tough place to play yeah. for a whole bunch of reasons not related to what's happening in in a 200 by 80 foot weird oval. Right. Right. Um, okay. So. Uh, in the Atlantic Division right now, Tampa Bay's clinched the President's Trophy. Um, I, I heard uh, some commentary today that said that they're really not going to rest any of their players, which would, I think would be dumb. But I, you know, I guess if you want to keep them all in there and playing a little less and equally distributing the time rather than loading minutes on Kucherov and Stamkos, that that works the same way. So why mess with success? Mm -hmm. uh, Boston shuts out the Islanders last night, five nothing. So, like I said, they have a six-point lead on Toronto. I think that that's pretty much guaranteed that they're going to finish in second and host the Leafs uh, in the first round. But let's go to the other side of that one, Russ. The Islanders get shut out. 
by the Bruins. The Bruins are playing well. They had that three-game lull, but they seem to have bounced back. Uh, the Islanders are having trouble scoring, and today uh-huh. it got announced that they lost Philpola for four weeks with an injury, Ooh. and that Everly is out day-to-day as well. So a team, you know, football is not a big score, but Everly still is one of the one of the guys that scores for them, yeah. and no, they don't football, have a lot of offense. Philpola is, you know, compared to what he did on the Flyers, Philpola was having a really good year. He's a penalty killer, right? Playing he, with Komarov, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's you know, that's those are two important guys. They they are struggling to score to begin with. I would hope Josh Hosang really gets a good long look here now to try and get some offense. And maybe Barry Trotz, you know, cuts him a little slack. I, honestly, I they they're in a little bit of trouble now. They are. I didn't want to say it before because I felt like they would overcome it with Trotz and everything else. But you know what? They need to start scoring. And if they don't start scoring, they could start losing some of these tight games. If they start losing some of these tight games, they could be out of the playoffs by the end of the season. Well, I mean, I think they're safe. They're seven points up on Columbus and Carolina. Are they four points up on Carolina, seven points up on Columbus? So they got to bleed out some points, though. They do. Yeah, they probably have to win at least two games, maybe three yeah. of of the nine they have left. If they completely collapse, they could fall out of it. Yeah. Um, but Peter, the one thing I noticed about this game, and I, you know, I was concentrating mostly on the Leafs and the Preds, but uh, Twitter blew up for a moment or two when. At the beginning of the second period, Matt Martin and Zidane O'Chara uh, yeah. dropped gloves, and it was I, I referred to it as Godzilla versus Megalon. Uh, yeah, it was, no, and and Chara. I mean, Matt Martin is a tough guy, and he's a good fighter. And yeah. Chara handled him like he was an eight-year-old, and he and he, you know, like Martin was an eight-year-old, and he was an adult. It was not a, not even close. Yeah. It, yeah, it was it was bizarre, and and like you know, and I finally saw the highlights of it. I was like, "What good comes of this? Yeah, where's the positive ending in this?" And me, you know, just because the risk is so great, like Chara may not be as fleet of foot as he used to be. He may not be that, but there's one thing Zdeno Chara can do: he can stand and muscle through anything as if he were 25 again, because the guy is a fitness freak. And right. the last thing I want to do is challenge, challenge someone I'm out, you know, who's got eight feet of reach on me plus, right. plus two feet of height and say, yeah, let's go. It's bizarre. But in, in the, in the world of bizarreness in the NHL last night was the fight between Cassian and Maroon. The, <sighs> And to, to matters worse, Edmonton was down for nothing and Cassian and Maroon decide to go or Maroon didn't care, but Cassian should have when McDavid and someone, I can't remember who he was with are out trying to do an entry at an even strength, like two on two with space. And next thing you know, the play below is dead because Cassian's going to scrap Maroon. And then to make it even more complex during, after the fight on the replay, one of the Oilers announcers says, well, it's funny because McDavid and Cassian were, went over to Maroon's house for dinner last night. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the most Oilers thing ever? Doesn't that just, you, you, yeah. you're down, you're down for nothing. The team is an absolute hot tire fire, but I'm going to go beat up the guy who had me over for dinner last night. Like that is, it's, it's, a, it's peak Oilers. 
Yeah, but but that, that also that, that, that also is a bit of job security because because you know Cassian's like he's got to prove his worth somehow. So hey, I'm gonna drop gloves with Maroon. There's um, only two people in the Oilers who should have dry job security, and that's including the owner. Dry title and McDavid. Dry title and McDavid. Uh, There's Dar- no maybe, one else who should maybe, have. Maybe, maybe Darnell Nurse. I like maybe I think Darnell Darn- Nurse. Maybe. Yeah. Um, okay, so so in the in the metro. Well, one second before we move on with that, just because we're mentioning Drysaddle, you know he gets brought up with this reverence, and he should. He's a great player. He's got forty three goals, right? Mm. Like last night, Jake Gensel scored his thirty seventh goal, and yeah. he didn't get talked about at all. Nope. Yeah. Maybe yeah. in the playoffs because he he's like Danny Briere in the playoffs. He goes crazy in the playoffs. But this is a guy only six goals behind Leon Drysaddle. Yeah. Just think about that for a minute. Well, okay, so let's 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 talk about the Penguins. And the Penguins, the Penguins, they they lose in a shootout to the Hurricanes, but they yeah. get a point. They're at eighty nine. The Islanders with the loss are at ninety one. Washington beats New Jersey four to one. They're at ninety three. So you've got you know three teams within four points. So there's still some room for uh, shifting back and forth. That doesn't that means Pittsburgh could. I mean, right now Pittsburgh could be first, second, third, or the first or second wild card. I mean, there's nothing locked up at, at this point in the Metro, and the two wild card teams are both from the Metro. So the Leafs have a little bit of a buffer in terms of not falling into the wild card. The only team that would nick, knock them out of third place and into the wild card would be Montreal, and Montreal is eight points behind right. them. So they have a little bit. Uh, of room, but I mean, Russ, right now, I mean, Pittsburgh has got eight games left. If they go 500, I think they're probably either going to finish second or third. The the Islanders might be in a little bit of a panic right now because of the injuries and because of their lack of scoring. I yeah. think Washington's going to end up finishing first in that division. They will. Um, the team, the only team I think of the of these five in the Metro that I would be scared for is Columbus. They lose four to two last night to the flames and with the win, the Canadians are one point behind them. Yeah. I, I think that um, Columbus has some worries. They do, especially if Montreal is going to play this well, Columbus is going to have to get hot. And if they don't get hot, they could get eliminated. And that's going to be an interesting thing to watch. I know they've been managing Bob, and so Bob needs to really play his best down the stretch just to make the playoffs. Forgetting about anything else in the world, like getting out of the first round or any of that other stuff, right. they're just going to be fighting for their playoff lives at this point. Yeah. Uh, now, Peter, the only, the only team, like I said, the only team I think is in danger is Columbus. They, they, they seem to shake off the – you know, getting to know you type of problems with yeah. all the new players. Uh, and Montreal, we talked about them in the last couple of days about how, you know, offensively they're challenged. They only they only scored three goals, and one of them was an empty netter against Philadelphia who had given up seven to Toronto last, last weekend. So um, I'm not going to give Montreal a, a ton of credit for beating the Flyers, but they're still in it. And if they can find the offense and if Carey Price keeps playing the way he's playing, then I think Bobrovsky's going to have to step up for the Blue Jackets to get them in. Yeah, I agree. And I think this is this is the kind of thing where if you're Montreal, you have to hope for some uh, clean sheet losses for Columbus. And you have to keep yourself in every game by scraping a point or getting two. Like that. that's what's going to have to happen. And, and to do that, you're going to need... 
you're going to need all hands on deck right now. Carey Price is going to have to step up just as much as Bobrovsky is going to have to lock things down for Columbus too. That's really how this is going to play. They're a point apart, and they both have um, nine games left. So this is probably going to be the most entertaining one to watch in, in terms of what it means because it involves Montreal, and, and that always brings a little bit of hype, particularly in Canada. And and that's that's fine, and it's fun. But, you know, you, both teams have to avoid, have to hope the other isn't in a lot of three-point games because that's when things get messed. And I, without looking at the schedule, I don't know if there's anything that affects either of them or who they play down the stretch. But, you know, that's just always the case, right? You need regular you need regular regular time losses. Yeah, I the other thing I want to mention is in regards to Carolina, they're a lock. You now can I will now tell you Carolina is a lock. Mm-hmm. Two months ago I started talking about them. I stuck with um, them. Even with their goaltending the way it was, and it wasn't like I was thinking Mirazic was going to be the guy that turns them around. I really was thinking it was McElhaney, to be honest. This but Mrazek has stepped up. But Mrazek has stepped up to back to where he was with Detroit. He's a very emotional um, goalie that that really is athletic. But if he's in the wrong headspace, he's the worst goalie to have out there. The yeah. Flyers got the guy that got into the bad headspace. This Mrazek's at the point where there were some shots last night that absolutely should have been goals. There was one that was just trickling towards the corner and. He misplayed it, but he stuck with it and managed to knock it out of the way. He's got everything going on his side right now. And you know, you know what, Russ? I would, I may be a little off base here, but I, I had heard regarding Curtis McElhinney in Toronto how good of a, a backup and a support structure he was for Frederick Anderson. I would yeah. not, do, I would not doubt that uh, you know that him being there, uh, him being there. Uh, has helped Morazic straighten out. Yeah, I think yeah. you're right. I think he has definitely settled him down. Things are great. The team plays like Rod Brindamore. Greg McKegg is is Greg McKegg is in there and he's producing. And I remember when he was on the Leafs, I got a picture of him at the That's NHLPA great. rookie photo shoot. A really nice kid, yeah, a hard worker, and he's finding a place in a the lineup there. It's. It's a he's, nice, been, he's been a, he's been a journeyman in Florida, yeah, yeah. Tampa, Pittsburgh. Yeah, he's, but he's staying in there, you know. So I follow the guy, and it's a nice story. Dougie Hamilton gets a really nice shootout goal. How many defensemen get used in the shootout? He was he was filthy in the shootout, and there is a thing with Brendan Moore the way he's using Sebastian Otto's minutes. If you go and track their minutes, he's doing a very nice job with that too. And look, Aho. I always touted him as a star. We talked about him on the show a bunch. I even had him fairly highly ranked in my draft year. I didn't do him justice. Like I said, he has no. gotten to the point now where he's like an 85-point guy possibly every year. I mean, he's he was a second-round pick. Yeah. And he's probably going to be a $9 million a year player yeah. on his next contract. Okay, switching to the West, and Peter had to drop off, so Russ and I will continue on uh, for the next few minutes, and uh, we'll take a couple questions in the chat. Yeah, we'll we'll hang in there. Yeah, we'll, we're going to end the show right around 4 o'clock. Um, okay, um, in the West, uh, Winnipeg was idle last night. Nashville was moved with within a point of the Jets uh, with the win over the Leafs, but 
Winnipeg has two games in hand. I believe, I think I heard them during the broadcast say that the, there was a head-to-head matchup uh, with Winnipeg and, the, and Nashville coming up soon. It might be sometime later this week. Um, so uh, Nashville is at 89. And St. Louis, who destroyed Edmonton 7-2, they're yep. at 84. I don't know, Russ. Do you think that St. Louis can make up five points? I don't know about five points. Yeah, that's pretty tough. That's tough this time of year. But they, the fact that they've gotten into the playoffs, people have really flip-flopped with them in, a, in an interesting way because at first it was like, oh, look, it's a disaster. They're going to have to trade everybody. They're trading Tarasenko, yada, yada, yada. Bennington comes in. He plays great. Now Jake Allen's playing well. All of a sudden, all the pieces they had before, they're all still there. They're all playing well. None of them get traded. And now they could be a dangerous team in the playoffs because we're all overlooking them even, even for the playoffs. I mean, Bennington is 18-4-1. I don't care what you say about what team he's playing with. He's got five shutouts. He's got a 9.30 save percentage. Like, and it, it, this guy is going to be in the Calder race. He might be the number three guy in for the Calder at this point. He's played 25 games, so he's going to go over that number. And it's astonishing what he's been able to do to get this team back in the playoffs, considering how long they let him overmarinate. But again, goaltenders, I've talked about on the show, a lot of times they take until 25 until it all really clicks. And you know what? Jordan Bennington is proof of that. And they did get Tarasenko back last night, which, you know, after the, the news of him being injured and they had, the prognosis was longer than this. So getting him back uh, early is, is a big key for, for the blues. Um, okay, so so Nashville and Winnipeg play in Winnipeg on Saturday, so that'll be a very big matchup. More probably bigger for Na- for Nashville simply because they they have two less games. They yeah. probably have to win that to to have a still a battle for first place. Although I I, I got to tell you, I did a show Stick to Hockey, the Stick to Hockey podcast yesterday, and I put Winnipeg in the Stanley Cup. So out of the West, I did. Well, I mean, there are some injury questions with Morrissey and Buffalo yeah. has been out for a while. So, I mean, that definitely could affect them. But, yeah, I mean, they, they have to be up there. Well, um, here's the other question, though. And we didn't get to ask Peter this question, but the next show we'll ask him for sure. Okay. The question that I pondered for that is without Buffalo, let's see what they look like. Because, again, there's good things Buffalo does in the lineup and there's bad things Buffalo does in the lineup. And I kind of wonder if they'll play more buttoned down without Bufflin in a lineup. I don't know what his re- what their record is without him. Do you? No, I don't. But uh, I'm going to look it up. I yeah, I do. I do know that uh, in the absence of Bufflin, the guy who has stepped in alongside Jacob Truba, or well, actually Morrissey played with Truba, but uh, who has replaced Morrissey with Truba is Nathan Beaulieu, who they got for a sixth round pick. And I said when that deal was made that it costs you nothing except cap space. And if you have injuries on the blue line, that's a good ad. And like Michael Delzato was a good ad for next to nothing with St. Louis. Not that yep. they're the world's greatest players, but they're experienced. Yeah, they know how to play in the league. Right. And and that's like that that was the thing that uh, I mentioned in regards to the Leafs is that, you know, okay, you're not going to get a Norris Trophy winner for a fifth round pick, but at least you're going to get somebody who can play, who know who who knows how to play in the league because they played in a hundred a hundred or a couple hundred games. And with so, and with Delzato, you've got the locker room beats covered. So that's good too. Yeah, there you go. Um in the Pacific, uh the Flames are at 97. 
the 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 Sharks are at 94. They have clinched playoff spots. Um, Vegas is at 87, but with a bullet. I think they're nine and one in their last 10 games. Right. And, again, and I'll say this again, and I'm probably giving something away because I mean I am in a play, playoff fantasy fantasy hockey league. I I would load up on Vegas players. Yeah. I mean, it, with with Flurry. And now with that number, with that number one line, Patch already Stasny and, and Stone, that team is. If if you needed any impetus on the part of Calgary and San Jose, the not playing Vegas in the first round is enough impetus. Yeah, we. I'm looking it up with Buffalo. And so here's an interesting fact that I don't think we all knew about. How many games do you think he's played this year, Buffalo? I'd say low forties, thirty-seven. Yeah, I was I was pretty close. Yeah, he he hasn't played much. So if you look at it, so looking at their last, and I, I know he's been out for a little while now. Like and I think that, I, I think this injury is a recurrence of the earlier injury. I do think you're right. Yeah. All right. So I'm looking at the game log here. So let's see, two and three. I wish the game log would go a little faster. All right, here we. Wait and a I'm second. Not, I'm not on NHL.com, so this. Oh, is... oh okay. I was going to say that there are reasons for it to be slow, and NHL.com is one of those reasons. No, no, sorry, no, it's a different one. We'll, I'll get back to it. Keep going. Um, okay, so uh, in the Pacific, like I said, uh, Calgary at 97, San Jose at 94, Vegas at 87. Wild cards, you've got Dallas at 82, and Dallas won yesterday, um, beating. Let's see here. Uh, being the Florida Panthers, four to two, uh, and Arizona at seventy-eight points. Now, this race is not over with. Like, like in the or unlike the East, where there's one team, Montreal has got a chance. You've got Minnesota, who uh, lost to lost to uh, to Colorado last night, three to one. Yeah. Uh, Colorado is now a point behind Minnesota. Minnesota's got the most games played, so they're in trouble, Russ. Um, they have 77 points, a point behind uh, Arizona. Arizona has a game, a game in hand over them. Colorado is at 76 with 73 games, so they're equal in games and only two points behind Arizona. Chicago has played the least amount of games, 72, and they're at 74 points, and they play, I believe they play tonight. Uh, no, they play tomorrow. They play uh, Thursday. And I'm looking up who they're playing against. You know, it, it um, is the Flyers. They're playing the Flyers in okay. Chicago. Now, right, yeah, I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now, the Hawks are not out of it. Well, according to Lord, neither are the Flyers that they went out. But of course, they're, you know, <laughs> they're uh, the interesting, the interesting thing is, no, the, the Hawks are out of it. I, I <laughs> you think the Hawks are out of it? I do. I do okay. think the Hawks are out of it because I've watched their their older defensemen play, and it's not going to last. It's just not going to last down the stretch here. I still think Minnesota is going to make it. It's not looking fantastic for them right now, but again, it hasn't looked fantastic for them all year. I don't know why. At this point, I don't really have much to go by other than Boudreaux seems to just have these guys in the right headspace. There's not a lot of pressure on them. They sold off a little bit. I still think they're they're playing with house money. Well, I mean, I like Colorado, even though. I mean, they lost Landeskog, uh, but they continue to at least play, keep their head above water. Yeah. Um, I mean, Chicago, like we said before, 
they're going to have to maintain the pace that they're at right now, which is going to be tough, but they have the guys who have the pedigree to be able to do that. And if Crawford is back, then, you know, maybe that's enough, but I mean, we'll see. I mean, it's, let's just say it's going to, it's going to be an exciting race in the West, as opposed to what's going on in, in the East by the, by the weekend, if Montreal loses a couple games, it could be over with there. So, um, well, we don't, we don't know, but, um, we'll take some questions here and then we'll, like I said, we'll end the show in a few minutes, but, uh, what do we got in the, in the chat there, Russ? Hold on. Um, the last, <laughs> it, the only thing I can tell you with the Winnipeg Jets and really, I don't know what it is with the internet today. They still are, they're holding off without Buffalo. so like they're six and four in their last 10 or six, three and one. They, at the end of the day, they probably could survive without Buffalo. All right. Let me, uh. Let me look at questions in the chat room. All right. First one. Question is from Goalie FP. Question for Russ and Mike. Should Toronto tank a little and let Montreal pass them and have Toronto be the top wild card and play Washington or the Islanders in the first round? I'm going to say no because you can't really guarantee all of that will happen. And right. once you start losing, you don't want to keep losing. You, you see, it's hard. It's going to be hard enough to come out of it normally just now, anyhow. I mean, tell me what's tell me what is the best of the three options: playing at Washington, at Tampa, or at Boston. I think they're all bad. Yeah. So you know, maybe 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 the Leafs can slay the drag the Boston Dragon. I, I don't think they'll be favored. I think they'll be a significant underdog, but I don't see like losing seven of your last nine, sneaking in one of the wild cards and playing the president's trophy winner or, or the Stanley, the uh, incumbent Stanley cup champion. I, I don't think those are good options. So no, I don't know. Esmir um, wants to know what we think of the other Sebastian Ajo, the Islanders version of Sebastian Ajo. And, Who's playing in Bridgeport right now? Who's playing in Bridgeport? He's a pretty good player. I I think he's a a good puck mover. I think he is a uh, an NHLer for sure. I don't think that we're looking at anything crazy good here, but I think we're looking at a potential player. And if we do have two Sebastian Ajos in the league, it's gonna cause problems. It's gonna <laughs> because it's the exact name, completely different guys. They right. do have different hair color. They do, so we got to give him that. But well, one's one's a Finn, one's a Swede. Yeah, but I do like the other Aho. I think he's a pretty good puck mover. I think I think he could be like a third pair puck moving defenseman. That's what I think he is. Yeah, somebody somebody didn't believe it when I told them there are two Sebastian Ajos. They thought I was pulling their leg. I know. I mean, that's usually what you get. Um, Edward says Russ Donato needs to play more defense. And Fiala has been turning the puck over too much for the Wild to make the playoffs. I mean, those things are going to happen anyhow. I don't think that negates them from making the playoffs because the amount of points that Donato has has produced for them is great, and Fiala has been really good on the power play. I still think they could overcome that. I'm not saying it's an ideal way to overcome it, but again, this is a team that's that's lost their number one center, number one defenseman, and they're still hanging in it. I, I think at least that's admirable. Uh, let's see. While you're looking for another question, uh, the NHLPA uh, released their players poll yeah. uh, today, and there were some interesting things. So it, I'll intersperse this with uh, the questions here. Uh, no surprise, who is the best forward? Uh, the vote was Connor McDavid first at 
Sidney Crosby second at 17%, a significant drop-off. And then it goes Nathan McKinnon, Nikita Kucherov, and Alexander Barkov. Yeah. So um, I'm I'm a little surprised that somebody like Matthews or Marner is not at least in – I mean, they, they didn't release the uh, – the other percentages, which were 9.7%. So they could have been sixth or seventh. But um, okay, next question if you got one. Uh no, actually, okay. I think we're uh well we'll finish up, we'll finish up with this then. Um and uh uh best defenseman. Now this this is a, this is a uh, hold on, we've got breaking news. Okay. I'm gonna go with Thomas, hoping he's right here, even though he's not always got it right, but I think he's he said it's on NHL.com, so I believe him. Okay. Uh, Dan Girardi's out indefinitely with a downgraded lower body injury. Do you think they are shutting him down? Yeah, I do think that's shutting him down. Shutting yep. him down for the year or shutting him no, down for the rest for the of the playoffs? I think yeah. that's what that is. Yeah, and they'll they'll give they'll give uh, what Ruta that they got from Chicago. Yeah. They'll give him some work, so that makes that makes sense. Yeah, give him rest. Why not? Um, okay, coincidentally, who is the best defenseman? It's Girardi's teammate Victor Hedman at 37, 31%. Drew Doughty at 20%. Brent Burns at 10%. Eric Carlson at 9.5%. And Roman Yossi at 6.1%. Yeah, I don't disagree with any of that. I don't, I don't disagree with it, but the one thing is that that's funny is that the guy who's presumptive to win the Norris this year, Mark Giordano, I know. didn't make the top five, and Morgan Riley is considered – somebody who's going to get nominated and he's not in the top five either, but you really can't argue with, with any of these I guys. With these guys. I, I will say Riley's having an amazing season. Uh, Giordano's going to win the Norris. Yeah. But I think when you ask the players, they look for guys who jump off the page, right? Otherwise Sidney Crosby would be ahead of Colin McDavid because he's better all around, but McDavid jumps off the page. Hedman jumps off the page. Honestly, Riley does not, and Giordano doesn't, and and that's you know they when you're when you are trying to impress a player, you have to do a lot to impress a player. So they you know they have to be like back in the day, Shea Weber, good. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean the the, the top five of that of that list. I think they've had four or five Norris trophies amongst them. So hold on, Matt says that Gritty was named the best mascot in the NHL. That is fake news. Horse crap. Uh, okay, who is the best goaltender? It is not Terry Sawchuk. Um, <laughs> Carey Price at 29.9%. Pekka Rene at 17.3%. Andre Vasilevsky at 17.1%. Mark Andre Fleury at 65 And Sergei Bobrovsky at 4.8%. Hard to argue that. I mean, that is it's a pretty good breakdown there. I, I, I would put Vasilevsky ahead of Rene, but. Um, and Anderson would have been in there, but he really has been bad for a couple weeks. Yeah, but I think this vote was probably probably happened before. We don't know. Like we don't know. We don't know. Um, okay, who has the best shot? Alex Ovechkin, fifty percent. Shea Weber, fourteen point six. Patrick Line, twelve point six. Austin Matthews, eight uh, percent. Steven Stamkos, one point nine percent. I'm sorry. Who was number one again? Ovechkin. Okay. Yeah. No, that's fine. I mean, Matt's arguing with me. He says it's on Twitter. Russ, look it up. Look. There's a lot of baloney on Twitter. If this is true, if they're voting Gritty as the best mascot, he's not. I don't care. He's the most popular. I watch the guy more than anybody. I'm telling you, he's not the best. He is just the most popular. This will pass. Get over it, Matt. 
the last I'm going to comment on this. Okay, I'll, I'll just read these off quickly here. Uh, most underrated player, uh, one through five, Barkov, Backstrom, Point, Kuznetsov, Rantanen. Thing is, I don't consider these guys underrated. I mean, but yeah, it's guys, hard to say Rantanen's underrated. Uh, I do think Backstrom's underrated. I mean, he's he just had his sixth consecutive 50-assist season, right? Mm-hmm. We all take Nick Backstrom for, for granted, except for Ovechkin. He's the only one that doesn't take him for granted because without him, he wouldn't have as many goals. Yeah. Uh, who is the most difficult player to play against? McDavid, Crosby, Bergeron, McKinnon, and Kopitar. Uh, which player would you select to start a franchise with? Clearly, these players don't know that you should start it with a younger player. You know, David is the number one, obviously. Right. And Crosby, who's 31 years old. Yeah, you don't want to start a franchise with Crosby. Yeah, no, no. Austin Matthews at 4.3. Bergeron, who's 33. Yeah, I think. you don't want to start that. No. Yeah. Uh, who is the game's best tra- best trash talker? Shockingly, Brad Marchand wins that award. Who's second? Uh, uh, Drew Doughty. I don't know. I think Travis Konechny's second now. I got to be honest. Ryan Reeves is third. Claude Giroux is fourth. Claude Giroux yaps a lot, but Konechny yaps more. Brendan Gallagher should be in that list. Oh Brendan Gallagher is crazy as far yeah, as yeah. what yes. he does. Now, uh, and uh, okay, so this was best trash talker, and Nick Cousins was former flyer. Was yeah, Nick Cousins is, and again, Nick Cousins, I ran into him at the net playing volleyball. And the guard looks at me like I hurt the poor kid. Look, now you know the real Nick Cousins. Okay, here here's a pro- here's proof that this this poll is asinine. The same guy who won the best trash talker wins the worst trash talker. Brad Marchand was was the was first in worst trash talker. Uh, yeah, I don't really get that. All right, hold on. Now Lord is saying he he's trying to put some. Bad light on Mr. Met saying who's better, Mr. Met. For one thing, Lord, we're talking about hockey, okay? Yeah, and it, Mr. Met's a girl, isn't it? No, Mr. Met is not a girl. <laughs> Sorry. Mr. Met is probably number two to the Philly Fanatic. I I I grant the Philly Fanatic. And actually, San Diego, San Diego Chicken or the Chicken say. used to be the number one, but it's been so long that you know he's fallen out of it. But again. Lord, we're talking about a different sport here. At least bring up Yuppie and act like you, you're paying attention. Okay, I'll, I'll finish this up here. No, I'm um, finish. I'm done. These guys disgust me. Let's just go. Right. Marchand, Roussel, P.K. Subban, Nick, Nick Cousins, and Brendan Lemieux as the worst tra- trash talker. Um, who would make – I won't even do this one. Who would make the bet? Okay. okay. I'll, I'll, finish on, I'll finish on this one because I think it's a silly question. Who would make the best TV analyst once they retire? PK, number one. Yeah. Uh, Keith Yandel, second. Ryan Reeves, third. Ron Hainsey, fourth. And Alex Stalock, fifth. Okay. Nobody's tuning in for Alex Stalock, so let's scratch him right off the bat. Hainsey is actually a funny guy. I I think if people had a chance to interview him more, because I've interviewed him a few times and, and I found him to be a very good interview. Keith Yandel, I'm sorry, he's a little boring. Like I don't think anybody's tuning in for Keith Yandel. That would be like tuning into, you know, your your six o'clock news if you're a 20 year old. Like I just don't think anybody's gonna do that. PK would be fun, there's no question. Okay. Um 
they obviously they obviously did not at least they I haven't seen it yet they did not ask who has which arena has the worst ice they did ask who has the best they also asked who had the best atmosphere T-Mobile Arena in Vegas was number 1 the Bell Center Bridgestone, Bridgestone Arena United Center and Bell MTS in Winnipeg those are the top 5 um, they said the Bell Center has the best ice, followed by Edmonton, Winnipeg, St. Uh, Minnesota, and Vegas. All right, but I want to argue something. Uh-huh. Now, I have not been in Vegas for a game. I didn't go there for the cup. I, I just didn't have it in the budget. But if you're if you're at the Bell Center in Montreal for a Saturday night game, whether it be NHL or any kind of event, World Juniors, anything else, I defy you to say that Vegas is better than that. It's not. Right. It's just not. I mean, nothing beats those crazy fans, the loudness. I was at the Bell Center for the All-Star game, and it was crazy loud, especially when they had the the legends on the ice. I think I think Beliveau was there. He was alive at, at that point. And I have to tell you, you couldn't match that, the the loudness there. And and Toronto comes really close. The problem with Toronto is I don't love that rink. It's a little and for sound, it's not the best. Yeah, the Bell Center is better for sound. Yeah, and unfortunately, whoever in the chat said that Gritty won, they were the Gritty won. 69% Gritty as the best mascot. The next one was Carlton the Bear at 2.7%. See, that's what I'm saying. This is just, I mean, how asinine. This is ridiculous. You should, your, like, you, should, you should have your votes revoked. For uh, one thing... Carlton can do a backflip. Gritty can't even roll on his back. So, like, again, let's see where this is at in a year or two. In two years, I don't even think Gritty will be there. You can mark this in time. That's it. I'm done. Let's just okay. go. All right. Good show. Uh, we will be back. It was a good show. It sucked. I hate everybody. Let's just go. Wait a second. Are you ta- Are you doing an imitation of me? Uh, for Peter Tessier. For us going, I'm Michael Agello. Thank you for watching. And remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.